0: Hello, I'm Barbara Call, Senior Director of Content Strategy with CIO Marketing Services. Welcome to our podcast, Enterprise of the Future, brought to you by CIO and sponsored by Kindrel. This podcast offers insights and actionable steps around transitioning into the future and how to create a strategy for navigating the journey. We've also been exploring how technology drives outcomes with applications, data, and AI, and how it impacts digital transformation at every level. Welcome to episode three, Enabling Smart Manufacturing with Real-Time Insights, where we'll offer insights and real life experiences on how IT and business leaders can approach the complex convergence of data from physical assets and the digital world. I'm joined today by two speakers. First up is Goldie Alushish, Director of Data and AI Services at Kindrel. Welcome, Goldie. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Thank you, Barbara. It is a pleasure to participate in this podcast today. I have about 23 years of experience in the field of information technology, spanning technology consulting, and leading technical services delivery. For the last 10 years, I have been focused on delivering data and AI services to IBM's customers, and now, after the spinoff in 2021, to Kindle's customers to assist them to achieve their business goals. So that's a brief introduction about me. Thank you.
0: All right, nice to have you, Goldie. And my second guest is Carlos Sony, Digital Transformation Global Head at Vitro. Welcome, Carlos. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Thank you, Barbara. Uh, well, I have spent all my life uh, in the transformation of different industries. Uh, I started in KPMG, then I moved to Dell or EMC in those days. and. Uh, also in Microsoft as, uh, helping to create digital transformation programs for global accounts. And in the last months, I joined Pitro. So basically all the time helping companies to become uh, more agile.
0: All right, nice to have you, Carlos. Welcome. So let's jump into our conversation. Goldie, my first question is for you. How are digital solutions transforming manufacturing today? And why is data a critical part of this transformation for smart manufacturing?
1: Great question, Barbara. So broadly speaking, seven technologies are helping build solutions that are driving the digital transformation in manufacturing today. First is industrial IoT sensors and devices, which generate OT data that can be collected using communication networks like 5G. Second is the elasticity of compute and storage provided by cloud service providers, which enable modern cloud data warehouses and data lakes that can store new types of data. Third is machine learning and artificial intelligence, where we can train models with vast amounts of OT data to identify patterns and provide inferencing at the edge. Fourth is digital twins, which are virtual replicas of physical products Processes or systems that allow manufacturers to simulate and analyze real world conditions in a virtual environment. Fifth is immersive technologies like augmented reality or virtual reality, which provide newer customer engagement experiences used for training, maintenance, and remote assistance. Sixth is automation and robotics, lending itself to drones and collaboration robots that are helping to implement automation in various tasks from assembly and material handling to inspection and packaging. Seventh is blockchain, which provides opportunities around smarter and intelligent supply chains and contracts. These are the new technologies, and now I will talk about the data they generate or can use. In manufacturing, there are two main categories of data, IT data and OT data. OT data, as we are all aware, is the data that is generated or used by plant equipments to effectively run the plant operations. IT data from IT systems help business functions like customer relationship management, supply chain management, and others. With OT data, IT data, and some of the technologies I mentioned earlier, this introduces opportunities to build digital solutions for operational efficiency, Smarter supply chains, connected workers, smart asset management, and sustainability, to name a few. And that is my long response to your question, Barbara.
0: All right. Thank you, Gold. I appreciate that. Carlos, any thoughts you'd like to add?
2: Yes, I think that, at least in my perspective, what is really important here is uh, that we have no touch data. why I want that? Because it's the only way that we can really trust in the information that it's there. And if we are talking about digital transformation at the end, as one of my clients used to says, is in God we trust. For everything else, we need data, but we need to trust in that data so we can really generate information that generates value for us. For me, that's the most important part in, in, in that area.
0: All right, thank you, Carlos. And thank you, Goldie. Very informative. The integration of IT and OT has many potential benefits. Quicker uptake of digital transformation strategies, faster new product development, better customer experiences, and better efficiency and quality, to name just a few. Plus, unified data can help organizations achieve other business objectives that are unique by industry, company size, or geographic location. So, Carlos, my follow-up question is for you. What motivates manufacturers to make the investments?
2: Well, I think that at the end all of us want to survive and thrive. In the last days we have seen a lot of uh, factories that have closed the doors, right? And why they close it? Because at the end someone else is satisfying the customer needs at a better price, right? So all of us In my perspective, we need to work in four things, right? The the first one is we want to sell more. And when I say sell more, what we really want is better products and a faster time to market. At the same time, we need to reduce the cost, right? So we want to become more efficient, reduce the downtimes, reduce the the quality issues that we are having. And that's where we are using all these technologies. At the same time, Of course, that we want to be safer and a better place to work for our employees. So that's the third pillar that I think that it's important for us. And the fourth one is, at the end, the world has changed. And we need to be more uh, sustainable, right? Reduce the impact to the planet. And again, that's a very important part that is driving us to, to transform, in my perspective.
0: Okay, thank you, Carlos. So I want to share some stats. Uh, according to a study of more than 100 senior manufacturing professionals, only 23% have achieved more than a basic level of IT and OT convergence, and only 42% agreed that their IT and OT visions are aligned. So part of this is because true convergence is no simple task requires changes such as reconfiguring rules, handling such issue as siloed processes, siloed experience, security, especially around IoT devices. And integrating the tech stack isn't simple. IT OT systems often use different platforms and programming languages. Many OT systems are legacy platforms with institutional knowledge slipping away. So Carlos, my next question is for you. What are some of the key barriers that manufacturers must overcome in this transformation? Thank you, Barbara.
2: Well, one of those is the people, right? I guess that what we're seeing right now is that there's a lot of rotation. Uh, People don't want to work really in manufacturing. It's not that uh, attractive for them. They want to make home office and, and the production is in the line, right? So you need to go to the factory. And at the same time, I guess that the experienced people that has been there for a long time is retiring. So uh, that's one of the challenges. The other one that is very important and needs to to be addressed is that a lot of the big manufacturers has grown acquiring another companies. And that means that it's not easy to standardize what they have, right? There's not the same line in any of the factories. And that's a big issue because at the end you want to connect them. So when you want to connect them, you need, as you were saying, to break those interoperability. And it's very complex if you don't have, for example, a OT network that will really uh, avoid the issues of uh, having the it mix with the OT, because for example you want the critical variables to be always alive and of course that we have another uh, issue that is that nowadays we need to really think about how we're going to uh, really set up our uh, footprint right because the new world has changed And we need to decide where we want to really have the facilities to produce and how we are going to optimize our supply chain networks in order to be really resilient and be always in the markets that we want to to be.
0: All right. Thank you, Carlos. So, Goldie, can you share what you've seen with Kindrel customers?
1: Sure, Barbara. So, Carlos has raised some very valid points. In addition to this, what I've seen from my customer interactions are on the following points. Right, The first barrier is around technology depth. So normally technology depth is a huge factor that can slow down adoption of new technologies because you have to bring the baseline of the technologies to a certain compatibility perspective so that you can actually start on the next set of digital transformation initiatives the second barrier would be around the complexity between the ownership of it systems and ot systems within the organization design now this normally is a challenge because both the uh, both the owners or the departments may have different strategies on how they are managing the system the roadmaps the for refresh cycles maintenance Etc. So now, how do you bring them uh, not, not to add the other people and the process part of it? Like, you know, what are the operational processes, maintenance cycles? So, when you have to bring these two separate systems into an organization together to follow the same strategy, processes, and the training of people, that is a significant barrier that we hear about. Third barrier is around the availability and implementation of data lifecycle management and governance practices for IT and OT data. So how mature are the current data governance and data lifecycle practices today? And is it sufficient to extend into the OT space today? Or do we need to revisit the entire existing data governance and data management practices so that it is now encompassing for both the types of data? The fourth barrier would be around cybersecurity for the IT and OT systems, because considering threats like cyber attacks, ransomware attacks, this is a significant consideration for executives when uh, exposing their OT and data and systems to understand how are they protected because this is basically their uh, lifeline of their business, right, these systems. And the fifth barrier is around enabling the employees on this journey by upskilling them and helping them with adopting the new ways of working. So how can this be done effectively without being overwhelming to them? So these are some of the significant barriers that we have normally seen in the interactions with our customers. And tackling all these barriers while running the day-to-day business adds to the complexity.
0: So before we continue our conversation, I'd like to say a few words about our sponsor, Kindrel. Kindrel is the world's largest provider of IT infrastructure services, serving thousands of enterprise customers in more than 60 countries. As a focused, independent company, Kindrel is building on their foundation of excellence by bringing in the right partners, investing in their business, and working side by side with their customers to unlock their potential. To learn more, visit kendrell.com. All right, welcome back, everyone. We've been talking about the challenges of converging data. Now let's talk through some potential solutions for our listeners. Goldie, here's my question for you. How can manufacturers address these challenges of implementing digital solutions or smart manufacturing?
1: From my perspective, Barbara, the management should evaluate some of the digital transformation frameworks that are available today and then start with a consulting approach. And when I say consulting approach, you know, we follow the standard process. That means we start with identifying the strategic vision and goals for this initiative uh, around digital transformation. Then we go to identify who would be the executive sponsor or sponsors. And then we identify what would be the governments alike, who should be part of the governance council, and then who would be the project teams involved, right? And that could be, again, cross-functional. Then next aspect would be to identify vendors who can uh, assist the organization on this digital transformation journey who have had the experience before. Then the management can also look at their ecosystem to understand what are the experiences their peers have faced for driving some similar initiatives, and what could be some of the best practices that uh, can be adopted for them uh, for their journey. The next one would be then to start with performing an assessment with the identified vendor to identify transformation readiness across various business functions. Then the next aspect would be identifying the change management practices to manage this entire transition and address potential resistance to change because this would mean adopting new types of technologies and you know how can that adoption be made easier then we need to define now a roadmap based on skills processes technology organization design and which lines of business would be willing to participate uh, you know going first And for that line of business, what should be the pilot projects that they should be uh, targeting and what should be the success criteria? Then comes the part about how do you train the employees, upskill them to adopt this new way of working. And then assuming that the pilot projects have met their success criteria, how can these projects then be scaled out into production? So these would be some of my thoughts here, Barbara.
0: All right, thank you, Goldie. Carlos, any thoughts you'd like to add?
2: I guess that it's very important, all those technologies, but uh, at the end is that we need to consider that the frontline workers here are different. They are in environments that they don't have a laptop in front of them, right? So we need to provide them the insights in a different way, in a more practical way that they can really use it in the field. That, for me, is the most important when we're talking about the challenges of implementing something, right? Because it's no noisy ambience or they are using their hands, right? So we need to consider how we really connect those employees in order that they can take the insights that we want to generate.
0: Okay, thank you. So next question that I have is for Carlos. What technologies are essential today and why?
2: Okay, well, <laughs> I will divide it in. Let me say six levels. Okay. The first of all, for me, it's the the automation, and what I am talking about automation here. We need to automate our lines. We are to we want to automate our warehouses, right? So we are talking about robotic sales, uh, automatic uh, automatic vehicles that can really. <clears throat> Move things around the warehouses or even the factories and um, smart uh, uh, warehouses, in fact, right? Why we want that? Because that's a way that we are going to be more efficient and that we are going to address that issue that we have a lot of rotation. So all that it's repeatable, we want to make it with those technologies that can automate it in order that the work in the factories are really more interesting, not repetitive, right? Uh, the second level for me is we want to know what is going on in the factory or in the warehouse in real time. So we need sensors, we need PLCs that can really connect that information. We need to have uh, an infrastructure of communications and that's where we really need that uh, OT network, right? We need to consider that sometimes the factories are uh, far away from the city, so maybe the connectivity is not that good. And that's where it comes, the the edge computing, because we don't want to upload all the information to the cloud because it could be very costly. But we want to have uh, maybe the information there. And we want sometimes to process all that information and run the machine learning algorithms in the factory to really be more fast in the decisions. And maybe we will see it later, which is the benefit of this. Because once that I, ha- I am knowing what is going on, I want to understand quickly, why is that going? And that's where all this machine learning, it will generate those insights of what you want to check, right? And the next level is what is going to happen? I want to be predictive. I want to know when I'm going to have a downtime in my line, when it's going to break one of the parts of my factory, right, so the predictive maintenance. I want to really understand, for example, also with machine learning, uh, what are the drivers of the quality issues. For example, we can use vision technology and machine learning to detect what is going on with my production line, and understanding which are the issues that are generating that, right? And that's the inspection that will make us be more efficient. And in that, once that we have what is going to happen, we want to provide those insights to fix it. When we have those models that really give us that insights of what is going on and we are even better taking those conclusions of what is going on and why. We want what we will or, or, or the north Star will be here the autonomous factories and the autonomous warehouse, in which once that I know what is going to happen and what I need to do, you can even take the software to say, what the machine needs to do to correct it, right? So that's for me, the different levels and why we are really want to use this technology that will make us faster, that will make those ch- cheaper, that will help us to generate uh, that flexibility. Because at the end, what we want to have here, and that's the really important part of the data in my perspective, is that we want a system of intelligence that runs over all everything, and that we can coordinate both worlds: the world in the IT and the world in the OT, or, or what is really happening in the factories and the warehouses. At the same time, we are linked that information: what is happening in the administrative part and in the sales world. That's maybe my perspective of how we need to do, to use the technology and which are the most important ones in, in that part.
0: Yeah, yeah, very interesting. So when you invest in that technology, what kind of ROI have be, have you been
2: seeing? That's a great question <laughs> because in my experience, I have seen that there's a lot of uh, companies that have invest in technology without a purpose. And when you invest in the technology without a purpose or a goal of what you want to do uh, they have no returning investment when you really are very careful selecting which are the use cases what you are really trying to fix in your supply chain or in your factory you can see a very attractive uh, return on investments Right, And it's not the same to have 100 different lines rather than 100 standard production lines. And that scale is what will generate more value for us. So I really guess in my experience that it's really important to consider which are exactly the use cases that you want to address. And you need to consider that As I I was saying previously, there are some related things. So we want to build things that can have more use cases later, right? We need to become, first of all, connected. Then we want to really become predictive. And we will see returns in each of the steps. And it's really important for all the companies that we can really generate uh, success fast, right? If you are doing that pathway in the sales path, you can see uh, results faster. But when when you are really trying to transform the operations and the manufacturing, it's like a hockey stick. At the beginning, you need to really invest in a lot of things before you can really see uh, the benefits. At the beginning, you can say, well, you invest a lot of money just to have visibility, but once that you really have that visibility, you can start taking better decisions and you can really gather all that information that you uh, work for it and start generating your use predictive models. For example, what I was saying a few minutes ago about the vision recognition is when you connect really those all information to wearables for example, and taking your work safety, safety right? To avoid that they really injury because they are going to the bad path or that we are using that really information in real time to generate a quality a inspection of our products or even relate all the information that it's going on to, get, to really understand what is generating the bad issues. And that's why I think that we need to be very careful selecting the use cases that we want to address, and uh, which is uh, the impact that we will generate in the uh, company to really have it, right? And, for example, also in sustainability, we can see great return on investments, right? Because now it's not only about the, the money or the margin that we are generating for our companies. is how we can use all this this technology to become, of course, more profitable, but also more human-centric, more resilient, and more sustainable.
0: All right. So I'd like to ask both of you, what are the key future trends that you see evolving in this area? Goldie, let's start with you.
1: Sure, Barbara. So from my perspective, the first trend I would like to follow would be on how end-to-end observability of the operational processes data flows, and the various technologies occur. This would be critical in a digitally transformed organization. And it would be interesting to see how digital twins, digital threads, and digital tapestry would contribute to this important aspect. The second trend and something that is currently on everyone's mind is generative AI. From an out of the possible, there seems to be a lot of hypothetical use cases. It would be interesting to see the type of use cases the industry would adopt this technology for while controlling the costs and other aspects around privacy and new upcoming AI regulations. So that would be something I would be looking forward to, Barbara. All right.
0: Thank you, Goldie. Carlos, any thoughts you'd like to add?
2: Yes, thank you. I totally agree with Goldie that genera- uh, generative AI is in hype right now. Everyone is saying how we can use all these technologies of ChatGPT asking uh, how it's going to enhance their products or even uh, what I need to do to really enhance my financial operations, right? So uh, we're in hyping, which we really need to understand how we can use those technologies. Uh, in my perspective, what is really interesting about those technologies is that we have been used to see technology for the mathematical spaces let me say that way right for prediction and now you can see that with generative ai they become creative right (laughs) we can ask them to create uh, a new product to design a new logo to design uh, a speech or to to develop a speech right so we need to integrate with all those technologies and take leverage from them. And that's for sure one of the trends. The other one is that, in my perspective, we need to become more flexible as, man- as manufacturers. So we we need to take advantage of all those digital twins. We need to have, a, for example, advantage of all what is going on with the augmented reality because sometimes you need to give those insights to the people in the field, and maybe the expert is going not to be there. So if you have those augmented reality scenarios, we can really guide them of what they need to do, right? We can really have those digital twins to simulate what is next for us. And with those scenarios, we can become more competitive because we have a digital twin of our supply chain, for example, or we have a digital twin of the robotic cell, right? So I can generate those scenarios to become more flexible. And uh, at the end, at least in my perspective, it will be interesting how the metaverse evolve, right? Because there's a lot of things that has been told about that, how we can use it for design an entire factory, right? Uh, to, to train our people there so the training it will be more real for them, that, that we will really have a, in real-time collaboration of people all around the world in the same metaverse. So I think that the future is very interesting for us, and, and we have a lot of potential and a lot of things that we can really do to enhance our companies and become more efficient, more agile, and more sustainable. Okay. Great. Very
0: interesting. Thank you both. We've been talking with Goldie Alushish of Kindrel and Carlos Sony of Vitro. Thank you both for your insights and information. And thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this third episode in the Enterprise of the Future podcast, brought to you by CIO.com and sponsored by Kindrel. I encourage you to tune in for our first two episodes, which are available on Apple Podcasts Google Podcast, and Spotify. For more information, be sure to visit Kindrel.com. For CIO and Kindrel, I'm Barbara Call.
1: This podcast has been produced by IDG Communications Incorporated, Doing Businesses Foundry, in association with its sponsor, Kindrel. This podcast has been produced by IDG Communications Incorporated, Doing Businesses Foundry, in association with its sponsor, Kindrel.